Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Oh, the Great Redemption, LSK. What's the Great Redemption? The Great Redemption. I'm sorry that I was just using every possible swear in offensive words. I know because the setup here with a thousand wires and all this craziness. But I had the Great Redemption during my show today. You did? Yes. After the suck, <clears throat> after the suck job I did Monday, it was good. Good. It was good. I, you know what? Always best to let my temper do the leading <laughs> when it comes to these things. We just talked about <clears throat> incredibly, incredibly, Alice. Um, Hamden, Connecticut, voted last night to extend the mask mandate. Incredibly, really, these psychos after these all psychotics. that. Yes, and I said that <clears throat> that there. And, and listen to this. This is um, a couple of school committee people. Here's one yelling at people. You're not letting me finish. You're not letting me finish. If you learn how to listen and let people finish saying what they have to say, then we can have a conversation, but you're not listening. Meanwhile, they're, they were pretending like, and they were all mad at the crowd for being there. Mm-hmm. This is punitive at this point. The Board of Ed is just sick of people. This is Dr. David Asbury, Board of Ed. Uh, I assume show. not a medical doctor. No, of course not. <laughs> but listen to him. We are going to give you a choice. That's going to happen. Let the meeting go on. And at the end of the meeting, they voted to mask the kids. We're going to give you a choice, they said. You know, mask choice. That's all the parents are asking for? Nope. Didn't didn't matter at all. At all. At all. I wanted to put a pause and slow down. That was all. I wanted to pause and slow down and put some thought, some thought behind what we are doing. That is a moron who's a psychotic. I wanted to put a pause and slow down and put some thought to what we're doing. No, the default isn't you, Board of Ed, not Board of Health, get to put cotton over my child's mouth. That's not, no, that's the unacceptable thing. But now he wants to, you know, put some thought into Did they put a lot of thought into it before they did the mask mandates? No, you know, but it's incredible. That's his thing. 
I want to put a lot of thought into it before we undo this. No, they didn't. It, it's remarkable. This man, when it occurred to me today that these people aren't ready for prime time. They're not ready for a freaking uh, winter storm. Of course they're not ready for a pandemic. And the pandemic proved bigger than this small-brained moron and all his other doctorate um, members of the Board of Education. The Board of Education members, when you go get a doctorate for psychology or whatever, no, I'm sorry, never, probably not, like philosophy, I assume they have. They or like an education. They don't teach you. Or like they school don't teach administration. You, they don't teach you how to keep your mind together during a global pandemic. That, that you're learning from MSNBC, you should be as scared of. They don't teach you that. They teach you to be oversensitive to things. They teach you to be a goddamn pussy. And so these people are broken by it. So now he wants to put some thought, some thought before we take the mask off the kids. Meanwhile, he's not wearing a mask while he's doing that, of course. He wants to put some thought into it. So my point today is that these people, what they're doing right now mm -hmm. is the equivalent of having their hand down the pants of your child and yelling at you for being upset and being over the top. I think it's the same thing. I got a call from somebody saying that was beneath me to say, I effing stand by it. It's the same thing. They're abusing the kids now and telling you, hey, we need to step back and put a thought into this and there's a way we'll do this and we're going to have choice, but we have to have a slow and plan. How about the plan is this? Get your hand out of my goddamn child's pants. How about that? We'll start there. You can have your thought all you want to, but if you don't stop that, you and I are going to have a effing problem. That's what my feeling is. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Because the problem is that they've screwed up your kid. They're covering up your kid's face for absolutely no reason. And now all of a sudden, and they, it's not like they put a ton of thought into it and had some big, you know, careful ease in when they put masks on. It's only when you're trying to get rid of it. Meanwhile, nobody else in the country has to wear masks. No, adults don't wear masks right. out at restaurants. Nobody's wearing masks at anything else. It's only kids. They're only doing this to kids <laughs> who are at the least risk of this from anybody who and who of are course. all now eligible of, of to be vaccinated. So there's no reason for this. I mean, there was never a reason to start with, but whatever. There's no possible excuse now. And now is the time for like slow and careful. Like it's only when we're getting rid of the mask mandate that we're going to do all this deliberation. <coughs> By the way, listen long to this, and thoughtful listen process. To, of course. And by the way, listen to this rejoin from Channel 3. Oh, I, I call it a rejoin. I, I made it. This is part of a, the news package from Channel 3. The board members who supported extending the mandate until the 21st say they also believe that masks will help keep students safe and healthy during flu season, and they'll make the transition a little smoother later this month. These boards mm -hmm. of uh, health people, these, no, sorry, board of education people, have been complaining about nasty emails and threatening voicemails that they've been getting. Can you imagine these people? Like, they want to be on school boards. They ran right. for these offices. They want to be able to make decisions about what your kid wears mm -hmm. on their face. It, the weird, this weird, intimate desire My to need to cover this. your kid's face. Of course. And, like, and the fact that anybody might push back on them, they're so brave that they can stand up for covering kids' faces all day long unless you say a mean word to them. And then all of a sudden, they're just like timid flowers who never asked for any of this and right. can't believe they've been put in this My horrible is position. This. Short of violence, anything goes. While you have your hand in my kid's pants, anything <laughs> goes. No, and I stand by that. Alice, I consider both of them abuse, both scenarios abuse. It is. Yes, and so I don't care. 
I want these people to be scared to death and be scared out of the school boards. I want them to yeah. be. These yeah. are monsters. If you can't take the heat, then get off the school board. That's it. Because right. because the point of these positions is that you're going to have to make decisions that are going to make people mad, right? But, so stand by it if that's that, right? right? And yeah, it's a it's a Else, free country. Board of Education. Mm-hmm. What in education has to do with uh, obstructing a child's breathing? Why is that in their purview? Because it, it happens in the schools? Well, might as well dictate that the kids be naked in the schools then, too, you know, to make sure that they don't get ticks or whatever. I mean, be, that you don't get to... Doctor of Philosophy David Asbury doesn't get to decide what goes on my child's lips. Right. It's what weird. The F? And it's, it's also worth noting that the Board of Education is deciding that they need masks while the Board of Health has decided that they don't. So what are we effing doing here? You psycho monsters. I would, man, and anyway, that was my first hour today. So, But I'm also concerned about the flu season thing because I'm concerned that this is going to turn into an ongoing uh, desire by some people to want to have mandated masks. Oh, you in think, schools. Alice? I saw a comment. I was looking at the Facebook group in the town we used to live in, and uh, and they got rid of the mask mandate in schools, finally. It's mm -hmm. going to mask choice. And one of the parents was saying, like, well, it'll be back next year, you know, da-da-da. And, like, <laughs> and so, and as it should be, it will be mandated again next year, you know. I, for one, enjoyed not getting every little cold that some kid at school... Right. Well, well. also, Alice, well, first of all, like, it's not like virtue signaling ends in 2023. <laughs> but also, what they're going to do now is cite precedent. Right. We did it for COVID. Yes, we had it before. And look, it kept fatalities down. It's the least we can do. And if you don't want to do it for your kid, I mean, we'll do it for your kids for you. Okay? It's the thought that counts. Psychos. Psychos. So we'll see if I get fired for the for the hands on the <laughs> pants thing. I'll push it tomorrow a little bit more. It's like <laughs> my first written warning. Now, um... <clears throat> Hopefully somebody will try and sue you for saying you called them a child molester or something. Absolutely. I can only win. When you're when you're uh when you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. This is John Silber quoting uh Bob Dylan. All right, now I'm gonna do everybody a favor, including you, Alice you. K. Shattuck. What is your social security number? <laughs> no. Anyway, um, I know yours. I'm gonna do. How your, come you don't know mine? I'm gonna do your number. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna need to in case you get hit by a train. I need to collect when I when I'm getting paid. Yeah. Nice. Good luck. Okay. So I am going to. If you've wondered, like, what the hell exactly is going on in Ukraine? Like, how bad is it? What has happened? How did we get here? We're going to steal from the Quillette podcast a little bit, which I very much like. Obviously, mm -hmm. Claire Lehman has a crush on me. I like Jonathan Kay. He does a great job. So he has Royal Military College professor Sean Maloney on. I think it's a, he's a he's a military guy, obviously, as well. Okay. To talk about what was supposed to happen. Now, let me give you the background of generally what the idea was. The idea was is that the Russians would drop some special forces in who were dressed like uh, Ukrainians. They would go uh, seize the capital. Meanwhile, air assault people would drop in as well um, and move into Kiev. 
and and uh, secure the city and the capital. And then that huge convoy from Belarus rushes in, um, having been the way cleared for them by other assault air assault people, and and occupies with a huge force the capital city, so that the people are like, oh my god, there's Russians everywhere. Okay, hands up, it's over, it's over. And along with that, they had complementing, like almost uh, shock special forces to wax Zelensky to you know do this and that, and mm-hmm. and the Chechens apparently were just to terrorize people. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you. So that's essentially what's going to happen. And this guy tells talks to us about a, a a very good get on my part. Sean Maloney talks to us about um, what exactly unfolded. And I found this to be very interesting. And exactly all the questions answered. So, you guys, this is the Quillette Podcast, Q-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. Since we're going to be guiping a chunk of this from them, you should know about them. They do, they do a great job. It's uh, uh, They're not infallible, but I think Jonathan Kay does a great job. So here's the, the X's and O's of what happened initially and how we got here. So what? The, the actual plan, as it's been un- uncovered, was is to break Ukraine up into about six different small countries. Sorry, where I, I, I missed the reporting on this plan. Where, where was this plan reported? Ukrainian special services raided one of these cells in Ivano-Frankivsk and uncovered that aspect of the plan. Anyway, so what winds up happening is none of this is working. So they brought in a lot of forces. They thought they would do a coup de main on Kiev and basically just be invited in. And so that coup de main was going to consist of uh, basically assassinate or get rid of the government and then move special forces and that sort of thing into the capital, generate disruption, grab key positions, land an air mobile force on an airfield near Kiev and then fly troops in and basically drive downtown and then occupy the place and say the government's changed and go ahead implementing their plan. It's actually, they've done this before with Afghanistan in 79. It's actually remarkably like it in some ways. But then that's where this all goes wrong. The Ukrainian special services are quite aware of the teams that are coming into the city and they're neutralizing them. Some of them are dressed as Ukrainian troops. The big fight for hostile airfield really throws everything off. So the disruption of that operation on the airfield throws everything off. And so they have to, they try to reinforce that and so those guys keep getting whacked. They try to drop another whacked. airborne element in behind Kiev, sort of the southwest, and it completely fails as well. Now, normally when you drop airborne forces in, you send a ground force in to link up with them, and then you hold that ground and move forward. Well, the force coming down out of Belarus, of course, runs into problems. They run into an obstacle plan, a very sophisticated one that the Ukrainians were prepared for, including flooding certain areas, and then all sorts of this armed resistance. And so that force that was supposed to come out of Belarus relieved the airfield and then move right into the city and follow on to assert control of the city. That's all been stalled out. When people talk about the so-called convoy, that's what I'm talking about there. Now, that's changed in the past 24 or 48 hours a bit. So the whole plan here was you, you basically you get the capital and you can basically order the country to surrender install your puppet government and then break the country up and then no more Ukraine. The convoy thing is kind of this very strange subplot because there's all these reports that something like 60 kilometers long. Was that part of an original plan, as you said, to use conventional land forces to support a kind of bridgehead that was created by by airborne troops? Yeah, that's designed to get down there, relieve the airport and then press on. Once the airborne forces are are flowing in after the air assault on the airport, then they they move into the capital to back up the special teams that are in the capital. And then the armored and mech guys come in 
you basically have a massive show of force that you're in control of the capital. What was coming down through Chernobyl and all that, it runs into an obstacle plant and it can't maneuver. It's not really a convoy. It's what we call march column. But they're constrained by the terrain. I've driven around up there. Like, Ukrainian highways are not like ours. Okay? So you've got, like, a two-lane highway, flooded ground on part of it. You've got woods, old-growth forest up there. And you're coming out of the Chernobyl exclusion zone as well. Now, at the same time, it starts getting hit with uh, UAV strikes and SU-24 fencer strikes. And then on top of that, they probably have special operations forces wandering around the woods, blowing things up and killing the right people. So there's a whole bunch of activity that went on to slow this up and interfere with it. How many of those vehicles are still operational? I don't know. I don't see them driving around anywhere else, do you? Because there's been all these scattered reports that either I've heard everything, uh, maintenance issues, blown tires, deserting soldiers, deliberately putting holes in gas tanks to yep. so they wouldn't have to go to the front. Plus some of them just getting blown up and blocking the road. Yeah, it'll be all that. If Putin called off the war tomorrow, which I guess he won't, but if he did, would they even be able to evacuate this convoy? I don't know. There are other forces operating west of there. People just this see guy, the by vehicles the way, on the road. This um, strategic guy mm-hmm. reminds me of Kurt Schilling, if he was hmm. a Canadian. You, can, you, you can't see under the trees from the air, right? So what's happened is that there, there are mechanized forces that are pushed to the west, and there's, there's fights going on back and forth over the Hostomel, Buka, Irpin area. That's gone back and forth at least three times. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to break out and gain room to maneuver. And the Ukrainians have been fighting tenaciously to keep that as contained as possible so that if you keep them concentrated and you hit them with air power, it's it's easier to kill them. But they are breaking out. And then, then of course, Ukrainians bring in reserves to contain that. And at this point, as far as we can tell, only reconnaissance troops have gotten into the outskirts of Kiev on occasion. That they, As far as I know, they were unable to get into the city proper. They got into one of the one of the northern suburbs. And then they pulled back out of there because they probably couldn't sustain it. So there's a lot of activity going around the capital. The thing is, you have to do proper combined arms stuff to get into a city. If they start committing these forces into the city itself, which has been preparing to defend itself for how many days? You're looking at Stalingrad-type stuff. I mean, Kiev, the old part of town, which is dense packed, and then the outskirts, which are more suburban-like, it's a city fight. It's going to soak up combat power. When the Americans did something roughly analogous in Fallujah, it required months of preparation yep. and highly coordinated combined arms force, yep. some of the best trained soldiers in the world, all these factors that Russia doesn't have. You're right. You're bang on. Is there any way they can take Kiev under these circumstances? Well, they start using low-yield nuclear weapons, maybe. Okay, so uh, that's a new topic. You mentioned conducting some kind of tactical tests involving nuclear weapons. No, what they're doing is they're conducting exercises of their strategic nuclear forces to signal us. So you've got to go back into history and you look at the intervention in Hungary during the Suez Crisis in 56. And you end up for how many days? You're looking at Stalingrad-type stuff. I mean, analogous in Fallujah, it required... Back into history and you look at the... This is designed to signal us that not to intervene. They're called Yars or Topol Am. And that's basically nice to be unmounted on a huge truck. And then, of course, you've got ballistic missile submarines. So when you start seeing these moving around, and they tell us openly that they're doing certain things, and you build just a one part I want to hear talks about them. Clear. And then when they start manipulating command and control aircraft, right? And so when you look into history, and you look at those dispensers, so they can fire 16 or 20 cruise missiles out of each plane. Then you've got mobile ICBMs. We, they're called historical work on this. And, and, and so when I saw this happening again, 
this is designed to signal us that not to intervene. It's nowhere near Ukraine or Europe. But if you draw a straight line from Novorossiysk, but still use a nuclear component, but still use a nuclear tip shell. They talked about they'll use essentially howitzers with nukes. Hmm. This massive escalation. You want me to get inside his head? Hmm. Difficult. Ready. Just such a this military would be sort of technically the next line that he might cross. He maybe goes chemical. The systems can fire chemical ears. You need direct fire artillery. Well, you've seen that with the toss ones. So anyway, so I, I, enough griping from Quillette. The point is that all sorts of special operations squads came, and <clears throat> and um, with including some with high-ranking colonels and 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 other ranking people, um, mm-hmm. snipers, etc. And the Ukrainians saw them coming. They knew they were coming. Somehow they had So intel. do you think we fed them intelligence? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And they massacred a whole bunch of these groups, mm-hmm. including officers. So they, it, like, stymied. The Russians were like, Jesus. Um, here I go. Yes. What's wrong? What's happening? Is this your, your party that you're planning? No, no, no. What is this about? What's wrong? Tom, how come the last podcast from your radio show is March 3rd? Todd has March 9th up. I get a lot, a lot of these things here where people come to me. And how come your radio station doesn't put up your podcasts? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was very interesting to mm-hmm. finally get a play-by-play. I might try to get that guy on for tomorrow or just strip this audio, you know? Yeah. Professional courtesy, Alice. Now, the other stuff going on is just amazing. We we did talk about yesterday the amazing story about the biolabs, right? Yes. So the yes, biolabs... Yes, Newland said that they're concerned that the Russians are going to get into these biological research facilities and uh, cause some kind of biological warfare event. Okay, right. And Which definitely feels like they're preparing us for there to be a biological warfare event. So she said that. Mm-hmm. And even after she said that, now Jen Psaki's been tweeting saying it's all Russian propaganda, no biolabs. The Deputy Secretary of State has said there are biolabs. She as, didn't say the word biolabs. She said, like, biological, biological research, research, whatever. That's a... It's a biolab, Alice. <laughs> I, I mean, know, I don't know how much more funny, like... you could say. So so uh, do I have that? Where is that here? Um, Newland. Newland. Yeah, here she is. I only have a minute left. Let me ask you. Um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the... Yada, yada, yada. Biological research facilities. That's, I don't need to know anything more. All I know is but that then, there's big then, hazmat suits and police mm-hmm. tape and all stuff around those things. But then, I mean, we played the rest of this yesterday, but then Rubio goes on to, like, bail her out and set right. up this does this mean that the russians could be planning a biological right. attack right rubio's setting up the false flag thing or whatever <laughs> it's so, so that, weird which like, is stop you guys but, but uh, let's, i'd be let's way stay, more let's, likely let's, to before believe the false flag let's stay with okay. the biolabs okay that's also odd but you know <laughs> 
so here's uh, John Kirby yesterday talking about this. Ascribe the the sentiments of the Ukrainians. That is for them to speak to. And I will uh, obviously we defer to the Ukrainian government to 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 uh, to speak to this on their own. And, and on this issue of um, uh, military biological um, labs in Ukraine that the Russians keep uh, raising. Yeah. Can you? basically explain to us what type of relationship, if any, there was between the Pentagon and the Ukrainian side on any biological labs. Uh, when was the last cooperation? And what do you have to say about these Russian accusations? The Russian accusations uh, are absurd. They're laughable. And, uh, you know, in the words of my Irish Catholic grandfather, a bunch of malarkey. There's nothing to it. It's classic Rus- Russian propaganda, and uh, and uh, I wouldn't. Uh, it's perhaps classic Russian propaganda. There are no bio labs, and we're worried about the Russians getting them. What the f- is this? If I were you, I, I wouldn't give it. Uh, Hear this? If I were I you, give it a drop of ink worth worth paying attention. Oh, to. thank you. Are you my new? Holy editor? hell! Are you my new editor, Mister Kirby? Yes, he wants to be. Uh, you know what? Totally. If I were the. In the real press in DC, I would say, you know what, we're going to go all in on bio labs for a while, guys. Just, just, just for the heck of it, right? Uh, can you explain to us what it, has there been any? This is, by the way, this is when, as an editorial page editor, you would call the Pentagon and say, "We want John Kirby to come in here and do an ed board with us, and tell us why we we shouldn't go full screws on bio labs and the huge gap yeah. in what he's saying." And what the Department of Defense is saying. The second the politician starts trying to make editorial decisions, or sorry, one of our people no, it's involved me. in politics. No, it's, it's, I'm re- correcting myself, myself. Oh, oh, I thought you were saying uh, he's not a politician because mm-hmm. he's Department of State. But the second, like the politics people start saying, like, you know what? Don't spend any time writing about that, <laughs> and start making editorial suggestions for your newspaper or your. TV channel or whatever, that's when you should absolutely start looking more deeply into the thing because what the heck? How is that an acceptable answer to get from an elected official? If a Trump official had ever said anything like that, we would have never oh, heard would the be end another, of it. They would drag Carl the Bernstein first right out of his apartment in Woodward. And- relationship between the we are not, not developing biological or chemical weapons inside Ukraine. It's not happening. Yeah. Thanks, John. Go ahead. Go ahead. That, Is that course, like how we weren't doing any gain-of-function research, too, in China? Well, Is kind of, the in the sense that we weren't. <laughs> He's splitting hairs, obviously. You know, he found something. He found a, a, a definitive um, uh, imperative thing he could say that was true, that's adjacent Right. To the, the and, point. you know, very careful. We were not developing right. biological or chemical weapons in Ukraine. But... Obviously, we're very concerned that the Russians are going to get whatever we definitely weren't developing in Ukraine, right. which is a little bit worrisome. Right. That, that Russia is actually doing this because they're planning some sort of a, a chem biological. Yeah, of course. I mean, Thank again, you, and here press. we go. Thank you, Marco Rubio. Well done. Again. Not being perfectly inside the minds of the Russians, uh, we have seen one of their playbooks is to accuse the other of uh, that which you are doing. Yeah, or- I recognize that playbook domestically, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Which you plan to do, uh, and to create uh, uh, to create a narrative that uh, of victimhood and uh, and blaming somebody for else for something that you're in fact going to do, 
I have no evidence of that. I'm not suggesting that that's in the I only have a right minute now. left. Let me ask um, you. I, um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to. Okay. Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. And so we've heard him there say what he said. Meanwhile, Saki also said the same thing. Not sure. What are you talking about? That's Russian. Why would you traffic? She says, now that Russia has made these false claims uh, and China has seemingly endorsed this propaganda, this is today, we should all be on the lookout for Russia to possibly use chemical biological weapons in Ukraine or to create a false flag operation using them. It's a clear pattern. Well, and not for nothing. It's, we should like- all be on the lookout, she says, says Rubio, says Kirby, says the reporter. So, but, okay, so now I'm going to be uh, guilty of the Russian propaganda here, right? Because it it seems to me that if you're Russia... And you, for some reason, thought that the United States was working with Ukraine or funding something in Ukraine or do whatever in Ukraine, something that had something to do with biological weapons right on your border. Wouldn't you find that concerning as a country? So wouldn't that make the war seem more of a defensive war, which I think is why, like, the State Department is super concerned about this narrative that's starting to get out there, because obviously, like... If Russia were funding a bunch of biological warfare labs, like, in Cuba, we would have a big problem with that, right? Right. We might even invade Cuba or something. Uh, well, of like, course. And then she, so, says, she says, okay, go ahead. So I think it's very important for our government to be really, really clear here about what was or wasn't happening. Because the problem is with the just calling it Russian propaganda doesn't make it go away. I... I tend to not think that Russia had a really great reason for doing this other than Putin's territorial ambitions. I tend to think that the way that our State Department and our government is acting right now about this biological weapons claim makes it look a lot more as though Russia did have a good reason to invade Ukraine. And the more they hedge and behave this way, the worse it is. If you were doing some legitimate activity in biolabs in Ukraine, then why don't you just say it and explain and have a good explanation instead of this weird, like, half denials, half, like, it's... It, yes, it is adjacent to denials. Like, they're the ones who are lending credence to Russian propaganda by not by not giving clear answers here. R- you of course, can debunk of course. the Russian propaganda by saying what's actually going on. Yes. She says, uh, Tsaki tweeted three hours ago, we took note of Russia's false claims about alleged U.S. biological weapons labs. She adds the words, weapons. So there you go, another straw man. Adjacent mm-hmm. to bio labs, biological weapons labs, and chemical weapons development in Ukraine, we've also seen Chinese officials echo these conspiracy theories. This is preposterous. It's the kind of disinformation operation we've seen repeatedly from the Russians over the years in Ukraine and other countries, which has been debunked. There you go. Now, there's another. Well, another, it would be a, very a easy word. to debunk it, but you can't. Like, just saying it's debunked and it's propaganda doesn't debunk it on its own, but you would think this would be easy to debunk if it weren't true. I just. the. The behavior of our State Department is making me uh, less confident in in the whole thing. I 
So back to the uh, administration. You know what? Don't spend any time writing about it, and honey. Remember over the weekend, <laughs> it was Blinken said, "Oh, we're totally if the if the if the Polish want to do something with fighter jets, that's all on them. It's independent. Go ahead, and we'll backfill them. That's over now. Yeah, we're not. That's doing over. That. We can't do that. Oh, we're that, concerned. Right. That that's that's causing a problem. We believe the best way to support Ukrainian defense is by providing them the weapons and the systems that they need most to defeat Russian aggression, in particular, anti-armor and air defense. We, along with other nations, continue to send them these weapons, and we know that they are being used with great effect. The slowed Russian advance in the north and the contested airspace over Ukraine is evidence alone of that. Although Russian air capabilities are significant, their effectiveness has been limited due to Ukrainian strategic, operational, and tactical ground-based air defense systems, surface-to-air missiles, and manpads. Secondly, the Ukrainian Air Force currently has several squadrons of fully mission-capable aircraft. We assess that adding aircraft to the Ukrainian inventory is not likely to significantly change the effectiveness of the Ukrainian Air Force relative to Russian capabilities. Therefore, we believe that the gain from transferring those MiG-29s is low. And finally, the intelligence community has assessed that the transfer of MiG-29s to Ukraine may be mistaken as escalatory and could result in a significant Russian reaction that might increase the prospects of a military escalation with NATO. Therefore, we also assess the transfer of the MiG-29s to Ukraine to be high risk. Well, there goes that. <laughs> so what course, do you think is really happening there? What do you think that is, is happening? Um, Russia said you better not do this. Well, that's very possible, yeah. Russia said you better not do this. Um, or uh, or uh, Ron Klain said we better not do this and yelled at Blinken. Or, who knows? All I know is that you know, you know who's dealing with this problem right now? Kamala gets to go to Europe. Lucky she is Kamala dealing with the again. Polish right now. She, they were this. all set to do this, and now Kamala gets to go to Europe with the bad news. <laughs> How does she always end up in the worst possible situation? So, moving along, but kind of related, let's go to Peter Ducey with Saki, and he asked her a bunch of questions on gas and oil and all this stuff. Go ahead. Thank you. Why did you guys decide to rebrand the rise in gas prices as the hashtag Putin price hike? I mean, if you want to use that on Fox, I welcome that. But oh, I think it'll get a lot of airtime because we have heard the president warn for months the gas prices were rising because of the supply chain and because of post-pandemic demand. If you guys knew for months that this was going to be the hashtag Putin price hike, why are we just hearing that now? Well, Peter, if we go back to six months ago, I don't think anybody was predicting we would be exactly where we are as it relates to Russia and Ukraine. As you know, that events in the world, including the invasion by Russia of a foreign country, does uh, prompt uh, instability and volatility in the global oil markets. And there are all sorts of different issues that can impact that. That's what we're seeing now. Outside economists and analysts have conveyed and said publicly that Russia's invasion, Russia's buildup of troops, President Putin's decision to do that very early this year led to a lot of the instability and volatility in the oil markets. You don't have to take my word for it. So therefore, if President Putin's buildup of military troops is leading to volatility and an increase in oil and prices, hence you have a Putin 
pump, gas price pump. Okay, uh, you, you and the president are both talking. Tangled that you. one. You and the president are both talking about. <laughs> Spit that out. You and the president are both talking about producing energy here, saying that oil and gas companies have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now. Would President Biden cut red tape to make that possible? What red tape needs to be cut when they have the permits, uh, they have the capacity to do it? What's holding does, them up? Does President Biden think that each of these 9,000 leases that are available have oil or gas in them? Because industry experts are saying that uh, that accusation is, is a complete red herring. Some permits are viable and some are not. And that when you say that, this represents a fundamental misunderstanding as to how this process works. Well, first of all, the... Which is absolutely true. Oil leases are not the same as successful drilling areas. Right. And I also, I mean, I don't know a lot about that industry, but mm -hmm. I was reading some people talking on Twitter who at least, like, claim to know about that industry. And they were saying that it's not, like, instantaneous, you know, that to, like, hire all the people to work mm -hmm. on a rig or to hire all the people to, like, that this stuff and it's, it's not... A, you know, you can't overnight be like, oh, look, the price of oil went up. I guess we're drilling this week. Like, it doesn't, it's not that fast. It's like a big process. And not right. only there's like a lot of red tape and regulatory stuff around it, but like there's a labor shortage right now. And these are like highly specialized, dangerous, Of course, we shut the jobs. world off so everybody laid off and everybody got other jobs. Not only that, but I was talking to a, a woman on the radio yesterday from Heritage who talked about... If you're an oil company looking to drill, you have to get compliance with like seven or eight agencies. Mm -hmm. You know, and all of and them and pay them all to to well, inspect well, and you all of them and all that slow stuff. walk you, and all of them have huge compliance requirements. Mm -hmm. I can imagine a freaking nightmare. Nearly sixty percent of leased acres remain non-producing. That's a lot, uh, in the range of twenty million acres. So there are nine thousand. Uh, unused approved permits to drill in. They should not require that. Should not require us inviting them to do that. They should do well, that themselves. They can't get the, the additional permits. So would the president? What additional permits do they need? There's no. The, they have the leases are there. The permits are there. I don't think they need an embroidered invitation to drill. They're that is their oil companies. What, yes. is, what is happening? What is happening? But what is ha the permits have been granted, Peter? What is ha what is happening TV. here is that we are seeing these are private sector companies. We recognize that. Many of them are making record profits. We see that. That is all publicly available they data. Are. They have pressure to return cash to investors and their shareholders. What we're saying right now is there is a war. We're asking them to, to uh, go uh, use the, the approved permits, use the unused space, and go uh, get more supply out of the ground in our own country. Okay, and then just a quick yes or no, because there's a lot of gray area here. Oh. Is a restart of the Keystone XL construction... Never forget, Biden off. promised to end drilling in new federal lands. Yeah. He made a bunch of promises. He was very loud about this stuff. Mm -hmm. He was against fossil fuels. He was proud of it. He spiked the football. He brought John Kerry in to tell people how about they could get jobs at the Tesla factory. The table as long as Joe Biden is president. Well, why don't you tell me what that would help address? I'm asking you if it is an option. You guys say Peter Ducey isn't in the, the executive table, branch of the government. He doesn't have to answer questions on what he's going to do about it. Let me. I kind of miss that. Let me try again. Completely off the table as long as Joe Biden is president. Well, why don't you tell me what that would help address? 
I'm asking you if it is an option. You guys say all options are on the table. Is restarting Keystone Construction one of them? If we're trying to bring about more supply, that does not address any problem. It's supply from Canada, a friendly ally, instead of that's, Saudi Arabia. That's already or that's or, we're already getting that oil, Peter. It's the the pipeline is just a delivery mechanism. It is not an oil field, so it does not provide more supply into the system. It is does it not address. Is it possible that Joe Biden will ever say? You there's, guys can go ahead with construction of Keystone XL. There's no plans for that, and it would not address any of the problems we're having currently. Go ahead. Ooh. I've heard that, by the way, um, from people that like Keystone wouldn't have given us any more oil here because it was just going to go to the Gulf Coast to be exported. But actually, um, people have been making that claim a long time. And I didn't really remember this, but Barack Obama, when he originally sort of killed this project in 2014. Hold on. Oh, wait. What? Can you not hear me? I can. You're low, though. Okay. Um, oh, well. Um. Is it time for us to buy new equipment? I'd say so. <laughs> so, um, Barack Obama. So I went and looked this up. I was, I, you know, just googled like, would the Keystone Pipeline have brought any new oil into the U.S. And um, Barack Obama said this in 2014 when he originally shut down the Keystone Pipeline. He said it wouldn't even have brought in any oil here. It was all going to be exported. It wouldn't have addressed any local supply issues at all. Anyway, and Politifact known right-wing disinformation <laughs> activist group uh, called that mostly false at the time. And then again, when Kirsten Gillenbrand said it in, I think, 2017, they called it mostly false. Again, the same claim. So it's incredible that now like Democrats are back to making the same debunked, as they would call it, talking point from their own beloved organization that it is, you know, friendly to their overall goals, I would say. So... It's just incredible that that's still out there, that like the Keystone Pipeline wouldn't have given us any domestic supply of oil. It would absolutely have increased the domestic supply of oil, but whatever. By the way, I just started following this guy named Kang Min Lee. Do you know him? Mm-mm. He, it's a, he's, a, he's a very good tweeter. It's, uh, he says, we don't have biolabs in Ukraine, but it's good that we do. We're not teaching CRT in school, but it's good that we are. We'll never mandate vaccines, but it's good that we do. There's no great reset, but it's good to have one because you'll own nothing and be happy. We didn't lie, but we actually did lie about everything in the past two years because it's for your own good, but also shut up because the <laughs> science changed and don't be a racist bigot by pointing out facts. Being gaslit is fun, he says. No one celebrates abortions, but it's good to shout your abortion. No one is trying to trans your kids, but it's good that we are. <laughs> BLM isn't burning down businesses, but it's good that they are because of racial justice. And he, uh, he goes, ends with, don't worry, inflation is only transitory, but here's why inflation spiraling out of control is actually good for you. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's, the, the fossil fuels thing is important because it's true. They think that it's good for gas to be $10 a gallon. Of course. Of course they do. I mean, they've been saying that essentially for years, saying that it's good it, because gas has always been much more expensive in Europe and they've been saying that it is... Um, that that's like a good thing and that's why they drive smaller cars in Europe. Do you remember that guy? I've been like reminiscing about the Obama era, I guess, this week. But do you remember that guy that Obama got into a conversation with that time? I tried to find the video, but I can't find it. It must have been a town hall or something. And the guy asked Obama about gas prices. And um, this was when the prices were high and Obama was telling us all to like inflate our tires properly yes, to get yes, better yes. gas mileage. So, um, 
you know, this guy said he he drove this like big van and it got bad gas mileage and he was really like struggling. And Obama's told said like, well, why do you drive that car? And he said, well, I need it to drive my kids. And he said, well, how many kids do you have? And he said ten. And Obama just laughed at him. Yeah, and he's like, good. whoa, that's a, that's a big family. <laughs> and then he had no answers. But yeah, that's what they think of you. They think you and your big family and your big car and your entire way of life sucks and is stupid and is like the fat people at Walmart that I yep. heard you talking about today. And that, that you know, maybe you should just think about going out and buying a Tesla. I right. actually so saw in looking, the wild. He looked, at the, he looked at those people in the crowd and said, uh, why are you being like you when you can be like me? Right. You can be this mm-hmm. awesome. I actually saw in the wild a social media post from an actual like real life acquaintance that I know in reality um, posting about it saying like gas prices. What gas prices with a picture of them charging their Tesla at an electric charging station. <laughs> that is like, great. Wow. Don't be poor, I guess. My goodness. By the way, um, speaking of Europe and gas prices and Russia, how awesome is Trump? Did you see that Trump thing that I sent you? I haven't, but I'll play it here. So this is... This is Trump on a podcast. <laughs> Why is it? Well, you should invite him. <laughs> I preached loud and clear to Angela Merkel, you are making a tremendous deal by making this deal with Russia, with Nord Stream 2. And until I came along, nobody knew what Nord Stream 2 was. And you guys know that. I was telling her loud and clear and publicly... And in fact, I sent her something as a little gift. It was a white flag. It was a flag of surrender. She said, but what is this? I said, that's a flag of surrender. So that when Russia uh, gets hostile, which they have, I... (laughs) Damn it. Don't make me start to like him too much. I know. I know. Can I I overlook January 6th now? Well, (laughs) the thing is, well, here's the thing. And this is the larger question. I mean, from what we've seen from from this administration, and I talked about this today uh, too. But but but, I don't trust Zelensky. No, I don't trust Putin. No, and I don't trust Biden. No, I don't trust any of them. All of them have proven to be untrustworthy. Kirby, Saki, Marco Rubio, no, Newland, any of them. No, I don't. I don't trust them. I do have no faith in this institution of American government at this moment. Mm Hmm. I just simply do not. And they're not earning it. In fact, when I say something like that, they'll gaslight me, which shows me that they don't even give a flying F if I trust them. So we're in a new place here where we've got to, I think that we have to rethink, uh, you know, the construct of, Of what? Of of how we look at institutions, mm-hmm. what deserves esteem and credibility and what doesn't, just based on the last, for me, really 20 years, but really six years, and ask ourselves, do we need to reevaluate? Yeah. Is, is, do we need There's to do some a, house cleaning that needs to happen in our federal government, and... I think one of my great disappointments with Trump was that even though he knew that there was house cleaning that had to be done and he knew a lot of these people were shady and after him and all this stuff, like he did not. 
helpful. And part of that was because the Democrats politically tried to tie his hands with the Steele dossier stuff and the mm-hmm. and the Mueller report. So they were trying to make it so that if Trump started to like fire half the intelligence agencies, it, they would say he was just like trying to avoid prosecution for his own quote crimes or something. But you know, but but I think Trump didn't fully take advantage of how much he could have uh you know, it broke in the knees of some of these agencies a little bit more. I don't know, man. I mean, his his mistake was he moved into unfamiliar t- territory where there have been entire legacies, decades and centuries of people who have been beltway parasites who knew how to save themselves and knew that it would take a quiet, silent insurgency to uh, to destabilize him enough so that the focus would be on him and not them. Yeah, but I also think he didn't necessarily put the work in to try and make that a big priority. No, well, Twitter. Yeah, you know, there was no, there's no time where it was a wise strategic decision to tweet horseface about the uh, you know ex pseudo prostitute that he slept with and paid off. You know, and I don't even care that he had the the porn star who he slept with and paid off. I assume he's got a pretty good template plan for that. And most rich guys do. Uh, I have no even problem with that, but maybe we don't tweet about it. Maybe, <laughs> especially since, Hey, you're the one hooking up with the horse face. And by the way, I found her to be rather pretty. I don't uh, take really that. who was horse. Is that stormy Daniel? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He called her a horse face. He had 78 year old guy calling somebody a horse face. It's normal. <laughs> totally normal. Oh, you're yeah. here. You can talk now. I can talk now? Oh, yeah, because we're in person. Yeah, you can uh, find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. We're also at Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, Burn Barrel Podcast.com. We're on Gab. We're on Parlor, uh, which I don't, is Parlor even? I don't even know if any of the accounts on there are real Doesn't anymore matter. or whatever, but I post all our episodes there. And uh, yeah, we're on YouTube, Rumble, all the places you listen to podcasts. Uh, thank you for listening. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.